2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. If you have your Bibles, go ahead and turn there. 2 Corinthians chapter 8, starting in verse 1. Scripture says this. Now I want you to know, dear brothers and sisters, what God in His kindness has done through the churches in Macedonia. So let me lay some groundwork for just a second. Let me pause at verse 1 and just lay some groundwork. Let you know what's going on in Scripture. So you have Paul who's writing to the church at Corinth, but he's actually writing about another church. He's actually writing about the Macedonian church. And there's three major things that we have to understand about this first verse. So these are this is like a mini sermon inside of the sermon. Three things that we have to understand. Number one is this. It was churches. It was churches. It wasn't a single church, but it was churches. Macedonia was planted out of the apostolic center of Antioch. Let me give you some historical context. If you remember, the church started in Jerusalem. And the model was very much everyone come to Jerusalem. Everyone come here. Everyone come to a central location. Well, then you had the persecution of Stephen. And once Stephen was persecuted, the church uh, that we know of spread. And it landed in different areas. And one of those areas was Antioch. And from Antioch, there were missionaries sent out all across the globe. But Macedonia actually planted several churches of their own. If you remember what scripture says, that out of the Macedonian church, the church of Thessalonica was planted. The church of Philippi was planted. The church of Berea was planted. Now, if you know anything about the historical context of those three locations, that's what is known as the gateway to Europe. So you have the church of Antioch, then you have the church of Macedonia, and Macedonia plants churches, and out of those church plants, the gospel is spread to modern-day Europe. You can see how God moved after persecution. Can I remind us of the model that we've gone to as a church? We used to be an organization that had one central location, and there's nothing wrong with that. There are churches that are doing phenomenal things across the globe with the model, but we decided as a church that we wanted to go to a different model, that we felt like the Lord was calling us to something different. So we used to have a central location in Concord and and some campuses, which this church actually started as a campus. Remember, we were a video venue and we were doing that thing. And it worked for a while, but we felt God was calling us to shift. So we've shifted to uh, our language now is locations. So we have a location in Concord. We have a location in Lake Norman. We have a location in Charlotte. We have a location in Harrisburg. And what we feel like we're called to do is to pastor this area. So that's why we changed our name from Davidson to Lake Norman. That's why we changed our name from CFA to Multiply. And and I'll get to that here in a second towards the end of the message. But why why was this so important? If you, again, remember scripture, uh, we know this context of a Macedonian call. Paul's Macedonian call. So Paul gets this vision from the Lord and, and, and the Lord says, hey, go to Macedonia. So Paul was actually gearing up for his second missionary journey. And originally, he was just going to revisit every area that he had already gone to. He was going to revisit his first. He was just kind of kind of retrace his steps. But God said no to Asia. God said no to Bethania. And out of these no's, Paul found his yes. There's a great theologian by the name of Garth Brooks that put it beautifully. He said one of God's greatest gifts. Somebody finish it for me. Is unanswered prayers. There you go. 
Some, that, if you know that song, you know some good country music. Like none of this modern day pop country music. Like you know, you know good country music. But listen, Garth was talking straight to the soul. Because I, I tell you what, I remember uh, some of the prayers that I prayed as a high school boy uh, when I was trying to date specific girls. And I am thankful that God said no to some of those because my wife is beautiful. Listen, I, I'm thankful. And all the, all the husbands in the room said amen and, and amen. But, but God says, <laughs> I heard you, babe. <laughs> I heard you. I heard you. You're trying to mess up my point here. Like <laughs> I'm like trying to preach. and <laughs> I got you. I'm sorry. Uh, I didn't tell her I was going to say that this morning. So, But listen, if you don't, if you don't listen to, to God's no, you'll never fully step into his yes. If we don't understand why God is saying no, we'll never fully step into his yes. There's three things that I want to point to. When God says no, what does that actually mean? Number one, a no from God doesn't stop your journey. It actually clarifies your journey. So God wasn't saying, hey, Paul, we don't want you to go. I don't want you to go on this journey. I actually just want to pivot you to where you should actually go. Number two, a no from God doesn't keep you from your blessing. It keeps you off the wrong path. Church, if we don't pay attention to where we're going, sometimes we can veer to the left and to the right, and we'll always be a church that follows the path that God has for us. Number three, a no from God closes the wrong door and always, always, always opens the right door. One more quick sub point before we actually get into uh, the sermon is this. Paul, Paul was saying, hey, uh, hey, Corinth, did you hear about Macedonia? D- did you hear about Macedonia? Because for some reason, the church in Macedonia got the attention of heaven. And this is why I believe the church in Macedonia got the attention of heaven. It was because of their faith. It was because of their faith. So let's pick up in verse 2, 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 2. We'll go 2 through 7. It says this, they are being tested by many troubles. And they are very poor. Now, if I'm honest with you, I'm going to pause right there and go, Hey, Paul, are you sure? Are you sure that you meant to write to us about Macedonia and didn't mean to write to Macedonia about the church in Corinth? Because when I read verse 2, it says, They are being tested by many troubles and they are very poor. And if I'm honest with you, I don't want to be a part of that church. They're being tested by many troubles? All right, I guess. They're very poor. Paul, are you sure that you want me to lean into this? Are you sure that you meant to pin that verse? But scripture goes on to say, but they are also filled with abundant joy, which is overflowed in rich generosity. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did on their own free will. They begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Remember, Jerusalem was where persecution was taking place. They even did more than we had hoped. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and then to us, just as God wanted them to do. Verse 6, so we've urged Titus to encourage your giving in the first place, to return to you and encourage you to finish the ministry of giving. Since you excel in so many ways, you excel in your faith. Your gifted speakers, your knowledge, your enthusiasm, your love for us. But I want you to excel also in your gracious giving. So again, I said the title of the message was Yes to Generosity. If I had a sub point, it would be this, a seed out of need. Listen, a seed has to be sown and then a seed has to be broken. Has anybody planted anything recently? 
When you, when you plant a seed, the seed is whole. But when you put it in the earth, the first thing that it does is it burst open. It's broken and then the roots begin to go deep. And after the roots begin to grow deep, everything else begins to grow upwards. The seed yields a multiplied harvest. And sometimes our giving church is a punch in the enemy's throat. Now listen, I use, I use throat on purpose um, because it, I've been punched in the arm before uh, by my lovely wife. She was playing, but she didn't, you know, she didn't mean to hurt me, but kind of playing. Uh, but I've been punched in the arm before, and you know, I can kind of shake it off. I've been punched in the leg. I can kind of shake it off. I used to box, and I've been popped around in, in the face a few times. I've been hit in the, the stomach. But I don't know if anyone has ever been hit in the throat. Listen, hit, being hit in the throat is a debilitating blow. Like I've been, I've been hit in the throat one time on accident. I thought my life was over. I've been hitting the nose, my eyes watered, I can kind of see. I've been hitting the throat and it's like I'm doubled over, can't breathe. And this is the reality. The other blows phase the, inner, the, the enemy, but generosity stops the enemy dead in their tracks. That's why it's a blow to the throat. Why? Because it's actually counterintuitive to survival. When, when we say give, it's like, ah, I don't know about that. I, I need to take care of me and mine. I, I need to take care of myself so we want to store up. We want to store so that we can feel secure. We want to store so that we can have control. See, giving is actually counterintuitive to survival. Scripture gives us five distinct clarifications in the scripture that we just read that we can declare in our lives. Now, I know that sounds, you're like, are we, is this name it and claim it? Because that's a little weird. And I'm not, I'm not going there. So church, let me, let me teach us through this this morning. By sowing this seed out of need, we can declare five things. The first one is this. My trial is giving birth to an abundance of joy. My trial is giving birth to an abundance of joy. Verse 2, they are being tested by many troubles, but they are also filled with abundant joy. So you have faith and victory and suffering. And this is the point that I really want to make. Suffering is not opposite of victory. Suffering is part of victory. Has anyone ever been, let me show a hand. Has anyone ever been on a mission trip? Anyone ever? Becca, I talked about, I've already talked about you this morning to your friend that you brought. Uh, so for those who, who don't know, um, I spent a summer in Tanzania, and I was actually with, with Becca's husband and, and some of her family members who grew up there. And, uh, and I've shared some stories there before, but, but a story that I've never shared is we would play soccer uh, with different villages every single weekend. And so we, we showed up like knowing we were going to play soccer every weekend. And that was kind of our break from, from the building projects that we had. And, and we showed up with the cleats. We had the shorts on. We had the jerseys. I played goalie because I don't like to run. And so I had like the gloves on. And, and we looked like we knew what we were doing. And you looked across the field and across the field there were bare feet. Across the field, there were tattered clothes. Across the field, there was a, a, a ball that wasn't really a soccer ball. It was kind of like some plastic and, and some tape and some rubber bands. And it was this makeshift ball. But what we saw was an abundance of joy. What we saw were, were smiles that would light up any room. And, and what always got me at the end of the games, whatever the other team had, they actually wanted to give it to us. If it was a wristband, they wanted to give it away. If it was a Coke, they wanted to give it away. If it was a sweatband, they wanted to give it away. It wasn't about what they could obtain or what they could store up. It was about what they could give away. And I promise you, I've never seen joy like that, like I've seen in Tanzania. I've never seen the smiles on faces like I've seen 
in Tanzania, they were filled with abundant joy. The second, second declaration that we can make is this. My income will not determine my giving. The end of verse 2 says, and they were very poor, which is overflowed in rich generosity. Church, I've read this probably 15 times this weekend. That doesn't make sense. Like, do you ever read scripture and you're like, I, how? How? I, I don't get it. They're very poor, which is overflowed in rich generosity. Because what, what I began to realize is this. It's not I'll give when. It's not I'll give when I get the promotion. It's not I'll give when I get my next job. It's not I'll give when I get that inheritance. It's not I'll give when the stock market goes back up. It's not I'll give when. You fill in your own blank. It has to be a gift that pleases the Lord. Because a gift that pleases the Lord is a gift of sacrifice. You've heard it said. I've told Eric this before. Has anybody heard the saying, uh, don't dress for the job you have, but dress for the job you want? Let, let me lean into that statement for a second. What if we could take that concept and we could say something along the lines of this? Give for the income that you want, not the income that you have. And I don't mean that in a way that says, hey, give and you'll get more money. But I mean, I want to be so generous in my life. This doesn't have to do with money all the time. The third declaration that we can make is this. I will live a life of outrageous generosity. Verse 3. For I can testify that they gave not only what they could afford, but far more. And they did it on their own free will. Uh, if I'm honest with you, growing up, I, mean, I didn't have, I didn't grow up in the church. Um, I didn't know what it meant to give to the church. This is what giving was for me. Giving was, I mean, I got a couple dollars in my pocket, so I guess I'll throw it in the plate as it, as it passed by. I didn't grow up in the church. My, my parents didn't kind of show me what giving was, and, and that's okay. So, so when I came to what was CFA, now Multiply Church, um, I was tithing, but I asked Pastor Doug, I said, hey, we have this language called Kingdom Builders about three and a half years ago. So we, we have this language called Kingdom Builders. I don't, I don't fully understand it. Um, can, can you help me understand how, how you give? And so he said, hey, uh, my wife and I, we've decided that we want to give X percent of our income uh, to the church and to the expansion of the kingdom. And I was like, that percentage? Because that's a big percentage. How do I get there? Because I can't do that overnight. And what he encouraged me to do was to start with the lower percentage. And what Jenna and I do is we increase that percentage half a percent each or every six months. And why do we do that? Because I never want to get to a point in my life where I get comfortable giving. I, I never want to get to a point in my life where I'm not stretched. Now, we've made those three declarations, but, but can, I, can I just speak directly to, to Lake Norman? Church, we're doing this. I, I'm not preaching something that we're not already doing and because of our giving because of of what's coming in um two days ago can i just tell you we planted 50 churches in india like that that's not a hypothetical we actually planted 50 churches in india i think we have a few pictures uh, on the screen so 
Uh, this past week, Pastor Doug flew down um, to Southeastern University, and uh, there was a missions banquet that was being held, uh, and because of giving directly from Lake Norman. So there were 1,300 individuals that graduated from college in India to become church planters. Out of those 1,300, we just supported 50 of them to go plant churches in houses across India. So go ahead and go to the next few slides. This is what it looks like. Listen, it doesn't look like what, what we think church looks like, but church, this is actually what we're doing now. We just sent 50 of them out. The, the fourth declaration that, go ahead, like y'all can clap, it's okay. I, I, I wish we would get excited about stuff like this. Again, it's not a hypothetical. This is what we're actually doing here and now. The fourth declaration that we can make is this. I'm begging not to be left out. I'm begging not to be left out. Verse 4, they begged us again and again for the privilege of sharing in the gift for the believers in Jerusalem. Could you imagine being a part of that service for a second? Well, let me put it this way. It's like going out to dinner with somebody and the waiter or the waitress comes out and you put your, you put your order in and they go, hey, will this be on one check or two? And it happens more often than not. Hey, it's on one. And then when the check comes out, it's like an argument on who's going to pay for it. But the argument never goes, you're paying for it. The argument always goes, I'm going to take care of it. And you go back. Anybody else had that argument? Anybody else had that conversation? You're like, no, 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 I'm going to take care of it. Could you imagine that that service for a second? Could, Could you imagine if you showed up to church late? And the first thing that you asked was, hey, did they already take the, the offering? Oh, oh, they did? Hey, can we run it back? Because I, I didn't get to do it. Can we do it again? Because I, they begged not to be left out. Number five, the fifth declaration that we can make is this. I am a child of the king, the king, and my kingdom is not of this world. Verse five, they even did more than we had hoped for. For their first action was to give themselves to the Lord and then to us, just as God wanted them to do. Church, we're not of this world. Church, can, can I remind you that regardless of the unrest, regardless of what's going on in our society, regardless of what's going on back and forth, this is not our final destination. This is not where we're going to end up. This isn't our ultimate goal. This isn't our home. Because what you and I know is that we belong to a greater kingdom. I want everyone to kind of grab those blue envelopes. Uh, uh, you've looked through the books. You can grab that commitment card. Listen, this, this, is, this is what I'm asking you. I have a, a buddy. His name's Nate. Um, so Nate, Nate works for, for our organization. He oversees everything online. And, and Nate, just, he's been here for about a year. And they've been living in, in a rental house. And, and, and they just they just purchased a new home. Now, this is like 17 acres. They live, out, they live out in the middle of nowhere. Like he's driving 30 minutes to work. Don't know how he's doing it. But he lives out and they wanted land. They have five kids. They, you know, they wanted their kids to be able to run around. So they have 17 acres. But there's a lot of work that has to be done on the house. Now listen, he, he's still in his rental house because they're moving everything out. They have a closed date and all that good stuff. It would be foolish for Nate to go to Home Depot, to go to Lowe's, and to grab materials and go back to his rental home and start putting in new cabinets. 
It would be foolish for Nate to go to Home Depot and, and to go to Lowe's and, and to buy grab materials to fix up his rental home. Why? Because he's moving into his new home. Church, it would be foolish of us to sow into a, a world that, that we're no longer going to be a part of. So what does it look like to sow into the kingdom? If I remind you of our videos from last week at the banquet, I'll remind you of Jessica and James and, and their story. I, I'll remind you of Brittany and Justin and and how their son got baptized because they overheard one of our college students talking about baptism and, and how he wanted to get baptized. So we had a five-year-old go, I want that. And we opened up a house at 8.30 at night and jumped in some water that was 34 degrees so, so a 19-year-old and a five-year-old could be baptized. I'll, I'll remind you of Robert's story who was far from his faith and through a relationship at a gym rededicated his life to Jesus. I'll remind you of what we're doing here in Lake Norman. Remind you of, of the building that we're building. And we have some pictures and the pictures are beautiful. They're, they're pretty. The building looks cool. But let me go back to what I said at the very beginning. Because it's not about a dollar amount. It's not about giving some money so that we can build some cool buildings. In my heart of hearts, this is what I truly believe. Let me go back to the very, very beginning. We had the Macedonian church. The Macedonian church planted three other churches. Planted Thessalonica. Planted Philippi. And planted Berea. And I just told you a few minutes ago that it was the gateway to what? The gateway to Europe. Let me ask you this. What is Lake Norman going to be the gateway to? What are we going to be a gateway to? What, what are we going to be able to look back on in 50 years? Not to say, hey, we built some pretty buildings. Hey, hey, we did some cool stuff. Hey, people gave, gave some money. It's not about that. What are we going to be able to look back on in 50 years and go, man, we were the gateway to what? Brian, I know, I know what's on your heart. I, I know what God has challenged you with. I'm not going to share it right now. Come back for part two. I, I'm not going to share it, but, but I know what God has on your heart. What if... What if this church becomes the gateway to reaching those nations? What, what if we truly become, why not? Why not? Why couldn't it start with 36 people in a movie theater in Davidson, North Carolina, and it becomes reaching nations? Listen, we're, we're building a building because we're out of room here. But we're not building a building so we can get comfortable. We're building a building so that we continue to send missionaries out so that we can continue to send church planters out. So with every head bowed and every eye closed. You know, I've uh, over the last few few weeks of I'm a stock market guy like I, I love watching the stock market. It's like a video game to me. And I and I've started thinking about all these individuals that just have they just have ridiculous amounts of money. Like I think of people like um, Jeff uh, Bezos, who has way too much money to do anything with. And I always ask myself, like, what, what would I do? Anybody, like, don't, keep your eyes closed. So I don't want y'all seeing hands. Y'all can just slip them up if you want to. Anybody ever, we'll mention this in church, anybody ever wonder what it would be like to win the lottery, like North Carolina State Lottery? You're like, yeah, y'all, yeah, yeah, I know, because I do it too. Like, 100 million. <laughs> what do I do with that? I'll take, I'll take the buyout. <laughs> like, what is that, 60 million? I'm cool. Like, I've thought about, like, the potential in, like, winning something like that, right? But then I look at the church, and I 
And I see the potential. I see the potential in, in the body of the church and with all my heart. Man, if I had if I had that potential, I would invest in multiply church and I would invest in kingdom builders. Why? Because it pushes the kingdom forward. So this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to take about 15 seconds. Man, you're going to do it on your own. I'm not asking you for a number. I'm asking you for two things. I'm asking you, one, to ask God for a number. And two, I'm asking you for 100% participation on December the 6th. Man, you see, you see what we're raising. We see what Scripture says about giving. Again, giving isn't taboo, but it's something that we have to teach accurately in the church. 